Our reading today is from Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they're fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall, shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, uh, we ask that you would uh, grant us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, open our hearts, Father, to receive your word this morning that um, the wilderness of, um, of our uh, broken lives and our broken hearts would be changed uh, forever into uh, the glory of Lebanon, as we'll soon discover what that is. Uh, Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things, uh, well, maybe you can take a guess. Do you know what uh, one of the most common things I hear, um, maybe not most common, it's always, that's a weird descriptor. Um, I hear this often from people. And uh, it's, it's that God could never forgive me. That if he only knew the kinds of things that I have done, right, if he only knew, God would never, ever forgive me. That's something that I hear often. Um, And every time I hear that, my heart breaks um, because um, the God that we see unfolding in the pages of Scripture is a God who can and, and does, right, and wants to save such people. Um, I was one of those such people. Um, and as I look back on my life, I see so many regrets and so many things that I did wrong, and yet God stooped down and saved me. And this morning, God is inviting each of us, right, to um, join in uh, a, a procession on this highway and to take part in uh, being part of Isaiah 35. Uh, and he wants to liberate you from the things of your past and the things in your present life that are holding you back from being closer to God. And um, 
Salvation is what he's after. He wants to replace the darkness in your life with light. And he wants to take the desolate and dry and the barren places and corners and crevices and cracks of your life, and he wants to change them into blossoming, blooming, beautiful places uh, filled with hope and filled with joy as we uh, think uh, in this Advent season. And so are you ready for that to happen? Are you ready for that to take place in your life? Um, to kind of understand Isaiah 35, just to guide us along, I want us to think about two points this morning. First, your God will come to save you. And second, your God will come to take you home. So your God will come to save you. Um, if you've ever been to our house this time of year, uh, this imagery that we're about to read is going to make tons of sense to you. Okay, so... The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. So verses 1 and 2. Um, so we have a pretty good-sized uh, backyard for our, our boys to play on, which was like really clutch when you have three boys. You want to make sure you have a backyard for them to run around on and destroy things and throw rocks and all that. And so, uh, so it's, it's a good-sized lawn. And uh, one of the problems, though, of having a decent-sized lawn is you have to water it. And we live in San Diego, right? So it's not a good thing, let's just say. So I stopped watering the lawn. What happened to the grass? Yeah. So, uh, and then we have had this long stretch of tons and tons of rain, right? And so all that dirt became just this sloshy mud pit. It was pretty gross, right? That, that's been our backyard for a while. But one of the things that's happened is over time, uh, and usually this time of year, all of a sudden we look outside in our backyard and what do we see? Man, you guys are so good at this. Yeah, it's this... It's weeds, but it looks really nice, okay? It is the glory of Lebanon, okay? In our backyard, it's beautiful. It looks so nice this time of year. And so, yeah, you can check it out if you come over. Um, it's vibrant, it's luscious, it's green. Yes, it's going to turn to weeds, and I'll have to mow for that one time out of the year that I have to mow. I'll have to mow. But that's not till summer. So anyways, it's glory. It's great. Um, I mentioned this, right, because this is the kind of place, right, this mud sloshy backyard that turns into this glorious thing of Lebanon is, is where God works, right? He doesn't work on, like, this perfectly laid turf backyard that I have, right? It's like this messy, sloshy thing that God works with. That's the point I wanted to make with that, right? He, he enters into and he works on our mess. And maybe it's uh, your, your first time back to church in a while. Uh, maybe, you know, you haven't, you haven't been in a while. And, um, and you're kind of worried about the questions that people might ask you, like all these churchy people might ask you. And I just want to say that um, if that's you, that you came to the right place, right? Because the people at Redemption Church, right, we're messy people too. And so um, you probably won't even get asked that question. And uh, we don't have our stuff together, and we're each people who are in need of God to continually work on our lives, um, from the pastors all the way down to the newest members. And so Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians, he puts it this way. He says, 
For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Paul describes our hearts not as full of light, right, but full of darkness. That's how he describes our hearts. And, um, and God shines his, his flashlight right uh, through his gospel to fill us with the glory of God. Uh, turning back to Isaiah 35, our passage this morning, God gives us growth in our withered places. Right? He turns, uh, he sprouts grass or weeds uh, in our, our mud-sloshed backyards. And so our broken lives are where God's at work, and he wants to see us to see uh, his glory in the face of Jesus. So Isaiah 35, 3 and 4, he says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. The author of Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, he picks up on this exact text. And he says, uh, he paraphrases it like this. He says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And so from Old Testament all the way to New Testament, uh, uh, the practical application is so clear, so clear for us, uh, that one of the most important ways that God can um, strengthen those of us who are weak is through the encouragement of one another. Through speaking words of grace and hope and joy into each other's lives. That's how God wants to strengthen our weak knees. And the reason we offer this kind of encouragement is because, behold, your God will come, verse 3. God is coming. All of his promises are going to become true. Everything he said is going to be done. All of the wrongs are going to be set right. And so start living that reality now, in other words. Um, There are people around you who have an anxious heart. How can you enter into that anxiousness and lift them up and free them from that anxiety? There are people around you right now, you might be one of them, who who feel weak, who feel broken, who feel burdened, right? Um, How can you look to your brother or your sister and, and lift them up? How can you enter into their life and encourage them to stand firm in the faith? Behold, your God will come, Isaiah 35 says. Behold. It's the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, We focus now on on the theme of joy. It's why we lit the the pink uh, candle earlier. It's the the joy um, that we see coming from this passage is is kind of startling because it's talking about this, this cosmic, this very grand kind of renewal of all creation And the reason for such joy is, again, because your God will come. That is the reason. No matter how darkly hopeless and dim, how despairing life can be and how it can feel or how dull it can be, Isaiah fills us with confidence and joy in knowing that God will never leave his people abandoned. He is going to come with recompense. He's going to come. Your God will come. 
And because of this, we can live each day expecting his return. Um, and so there's this sense of urgency in righting wrongs. There's a sense of ur- urgency in wanting to see and experience beautiful outcomes around us. Isaiah 35, 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall, the lame man shall, uh, <clears throat> then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And all of that sounds really nice, doesn't it? That sounds like incredible. Um, what do we find in reality, though, when we flip on the news channel or when we scroll through the Twitter feed? What do we find? Lies. Yeah, lies and poverty and waste and problems, right? People got issues and not really ears of the deaf being unstopped and the lame man leaping like a deer and uh, not much hope happening. The section from Isaiah 35 Uh, is later quoted in the New Testament by Jesus. And it's used when uh, John the Baptist is full of doubts about who Jesus is, um, what he came to do, because Jesus was not being the kind of Messiah that John expected and that others expected. Why isn't anything spectacular happening? Why isn't revolution taking place, right? Overthrowing these Romans. Um, Why was God's kingdom coming so slowly? And so Jesus responds to John's uh, doubting with kind of a weird answer. Uh, this is taken from uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. He says, Go and tell John what you hear and you see. The blind receive their signs and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is he who takes no offense at me. And so here's Jesus, he's quoting Isaiah 35, which is the passage in front of us that we're looking at, we're exploring. And he knows that John knows Isaiah, like John's memorized that whole scroll. He, he knows it by heart. Um, and the reason that he does this is to say to John, yes, the messianic time is here, it's now, it's arrived in me. And as we reflect on the gospel accounts, and we look at Jesus's life at this time, right, his earthly ministry, There were plenty of times, right, that Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He heals the ears of the deaf. He even told a a paralytic man to get up and walk, right, rise and go go walk and go home. And and, and the tongue-tied mute began to sing, right? We've, We've looked at all those stories in the Gospel of Mark together this year. But in all of those cases, right, they were inconclusive. With all of these people being healed miraculously. Weren't there so many other people on the planet who were not? Who were left untouched? Who were still living in brokenness? Who had not experienced the cure to blindness, deafness, paralysis, or other afflictions? And unless you have eyes to see and ears to hear, right, all Jesus did is help out a few people. But the whole world remains in pain and suffering. What about the rest of us? What about uh, my depression? What about the 13-year-old who is not going to live to 14? What about the sick grandparent or parent? What about the kid who's suffering? I think, right, we we can really resonate with John here with his, um, his doubts. 
Right? It's, what, it's what we feel when we look around San Diego and we see that things are not right. And that's where Jesus says, and blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Right? It's important to hear that the, the signs of God's kingdom are hidden. They're hidden in Jesus' time and they're hidden now. There are small glimpses here and there. Small glimpses, small happenings, but nothing cosmic yet. And Jesus is not the kind of Messiah, right, that we wanted or we expected. He came and he was obscure. He came and he was humble. He came and he was rejected. If I could have arranged it, right, Jesus would have been like Rambo or the Terminator or Dwayne the Rock Johnson, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, no? All right. But he would have, you know, conquered, he would have ruled, and it would have just been mighty and strong and fierce and everything that it wasn't. And no wonder we take offense. It's not the way I would have done it. It's not the way you would have done it. But it's the way God has done it. And he's, he's chosen to use the small and tiny efforts, uh, even of his church community, to bear signs of, of faithfulness and mercy and love and hope and joy. When that day comes, though, let's read Isaiah 35, 6. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. Again, we see this picture of God taking the barren, right, and, and breathing life into it, making it abundant, making it beautiful. Whatever people have ruined, God is going to restore Charles Wesley has a song, um, Hear him, ye deaf, his praise, ye dumb, your loose tongues employ, ye blind, behold your Savior come, and leap ye lame for joy. Right? Emphasizing God's activity, this is what God's in the business of doing. Behold your God will come. He will come to save you, and he will come to take you home. And a highway, shall be, a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they're fools, they shall not go astray. Can I just say that's really comforting? I'm just going to pause for a second. Even if they're fools. It's like, even, like, even you, Nick. <laughs> like, the one that doesn't know the highway. Like, even you. You got this. Like, because I got you. Anyways, keep going. No lion shall be there. Nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. So Isaiah's thinking of this visible highway, uh, maybe not unlike uh, Interstate 5, I-5, right? Everyone in, in Southern California knows where I-5 is, right? You just drive west and you're going to hit it, right, eventually. Anybody not know where I-5 is? Come on, man. I've got a joker in here. All right. All right, you can always get there by driving west. Um, and so this road that Isaiah mentions is, 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 is a road only for the holy, right? The unclean can't go there uh, because it belongs to only people who walk on the way. Uh, the earliest Christians, they were known for being uh, people of the way. Interesting, right? Jesus describes himself as being the way, the truth, and the life. So it would make sense that they're, they're called uh, people of the way. And uh, it's, it's true, right? For, for those of you who believe in Jesus today, 
you are currently marching in holy procession along this highway that Isaiah describes here. You're kept safe in the presence of God in the middle, middle of fear and danger and anxiety. The holy highway of God is made real and visible. Every Sunday when the word is preached and the sacraments are administered, And as his people, we come into his presence with prayer and praise and petition and confession, entering into Zion with singing and rejoicing. And that's all part of this walk, right, as we wait for the day when Christ, our Savior, will return. And so Isaiah ends, uh, 35, he ends, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And reading that, it's clear that this intense, right, overwhelming joy uh, will will take place in our lives. It will become true. It will become a reality. Have you ever had such euphoria before? I want that. I mean, that sounds awesome. It will happen. I want to share something personal uh, with you, though, uh, related to this description. Um, earlier, earlier this year, I started on a, uh, a prescription medication that changed me. Um, I used to feel a lot more than I do now. I was zealous, driven, energized, and then I became reserved, apathetic, and just zapped. I was tired. And my wife actually put it this way. She said, um, Nick, you're boring. She says, Nick, you turned really boring. What happened to you? Um, And and the best way I can describe how I felt internally on a daily basis is this. Um, Anybody know the the meh emoji? Yeah? Meh. Like that guy? Uh, If you've seen the emoji movie, it's probably... That that was my life. That's exactly how I I strutted around and lived. When I watched uh, my son hit a baseball, uh, when, uh, you know, I was eating really good pizza. It didn't matter, right? Everything was just meh, right? Very, very gray. Everything was gray. Um, It's like life used to be a holiday at sea, and now I was living life in the slums. I couldn't get out of it. Every day was dull. It was was boring, and I was boring. And um, things change, right? In the middle of that meh reality that I was experiencing, in the middle of all of that, uh, something completely different started happening. Um, somebody entered my life who, who shares similar uh, struggles that I do, and, and she spoke words of, of grace and, and wisdom uh, that I want to share this morning. So this godly w- woman, she, she reminded me of finding joy in the mundane. Joy in the mundane. Uh, She encouraged me to pause more throughout the day and just thank God, regardless of what you're feeling, right? Start thanking God for what he's done in your life. Take a moment to pause more. In that simple act of thankfulness, even when I didn't feel it, right, I I began to discover and rediscover joy for, I think, the very first time. I realized I didn't really understand what joy was. I thought that joy was just a feeling of happiness, And joy is so much more than that. Christian joy has less to do with having the right experiences and so much more to do 
withholding a receptive response of gratitude for what God has done in our lives. Joy is a posture of submission to the will of God. It's not a feeling of ecstasy. And joy readily receives whatever God gives us and prays, right? As, as, our Lord, Lord, as the Lord's prayer says, thy will be done. Amen. Uh, Psalm 16 and, and many other psalms capture it like this. You make known to me the, the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Right? We see that in God's presence, drawing closer to God, we experience that joy. It's with James that we can learn to count it all joy when we meet various trials of many kinds, James 1, 2. That though we might feel less than we do, we live more because we recognize true joy. So Isaiah 35, right? It's this powerful, poetic word of comfort for those of us who mourn and suffer. It was written to Judah, a people who lost their home, right? Their temple, their exiles. They had weak hands, they had feeble knees, anxious hearts, couldn't see clearly. Their ears were deafened, their bodies were broken, their tongues were being silenced. And their lives were despairing. Their hearts were weary. But the good news of Isaiah 35 is that the God of Israel does not abandon his people. He doesn't leave them to despair. He promises that all sorrow will turn to joy, just like the backyard of mud looks really good right now. He's going to turn all that into joy. He promises all sorrow will end, all sick and broken bodies will be healed and restored. Silent tongues will be loosened to sing joyful praise. Feeble knees will stand firm and walk themselves along the highway to Zion. Anxious hearts will be lifted, won't be fixated on anxieties, but will look ahead with hope, with courage, and with joy to the future. And so in Christ, you already have gladness and joy. Like that that is yours. No one's taking that from you. You have that in Christ. Hold on to it. And let that joy spring up within you even now. And begin for, for God to, uh, begin to long for God to take you home. Because as, as Isaiah promises each of us, behold, your God will come.